Namaskar and welcome to Daily Global Insights, episode 267. Dear viewers, please click on the like button as soon as possible so it can reach its maximum potential. Today is Wednesday, October the 27th, and here are the main points. In US news, there is a rising tide among Democrats against the billionaire tax to, this is a plan to raise revenues for the unfinished $2 trillion social welfare plan. Senate Democrats float a 15% minimum tax on corporate profits with cinema's blessing. Sridharji, Namaskar, welcome to P Guru's channel. You are a guest host today. You are the most important person as far as DGI is concerned. Is now a bit of a climb down that you are seeing on part of the Democrats? Will the progressives relent? Namaskar. Good morning to everybody or good evening to everybody, whichever part of the world you are in. Uh, before I make my first observation, bear with my uh, appearance for some more time. Uh, you know, I'm going through some, you know, medical uh, stuff and then I think I will be back to normal. So therefore, uh, you know, so I just wanted to make that observation because of some of the comments. Uh, but, uh, you know, thanks, uh, Sri Ayarji. I think we have uh, had a wonderful platform together uh, hosting this program and, you know, bringing about some rare insights as to what's happening around the world. Now, to your specific question, will the Democrats climb down? I think they have climbed down uh, from uh, $3.5 trillion to $2 trillion. Uh, but I think that these two important uh, aspects that are being floated, which is billionaire tax as well as uh, uh, this minimum 15% tax, will probably resonate uh, with some members of uh, the moderate Democrats. Uh, it remains to be seen how... Uh, Mr. Manchin will uh, dispense with this issue as long as he sees the small businesses and corporate taxes are not going up. So we may there may be a solution that they may have found uh, to get this uh, thing resolved and uh, put into place. And uh, Manchin has a standing offer to switch over to the Republican Party if he chooses to. So that's a very interesting bait there. And I'm sure that would be sobering a lot of the Democrats. Now, the next news item that I want to share with our viewers is the black voters in two of the most liberal cities are very uncomfortable with the defunding of police. Sijaji, which are these two liberal cities? Well, I think uh, clearly the first one is... Uh... Uh, Washington State, which is Seattle, uh, primarily Seattle-based. And I think the second one is, uh, uh, you know, the state of Illinois, based on the crime rates that is rising in uh, Chicago. Uh, it's a very interesting incident that was pointed out uh, uh, in, as far as Seattle is concerned. Uh, apparently, uh, right around midnight in downtown Seattle, uh, a shop was being robbed. Uh, you know, you remember there was, it was uh, after George Floyd's death, there was violent riots. Uh, and the shop was being beaten. The glass doors were being beaten. Uh, so security alarm went up. The security people through their cameras called the owner, who happens to be a black. They asked the question, would you like us to call the police? Uh, because it was about uh, BLM. The fellow said, you better call because this is my you know, lifetime kind of earnings. I, I want law enforcement not. So they called the police and the police said, sorry, we, there is no access. Uh, to the specific, there's no access, we, we cannot get in. I think that incidents of such nature around uh, has basically turned the tide. This is where we reported a couple of days ago in D DGI, uh, the whole notion that this, uh, that 
Biden is losing the plot amongst the black and Hispanic. They want social welfare. They want fair treatment. They want opportunities, but they do not want to be part of crime-ridden cities and activism and all those things that make their life miserable, but not kind of go the for their betterment. I think that's the message that's coming through. And feds uncover an expansive use of illegal immigrants in South Carolina construction industry. No surprise there. Why just South Carolina, Sridharji? I think every state they would find this. Well, as they begin to start investigating, uh, they're going to find that uh, where are these people going and who are getting employed? The reasons are very simple. There is the temporary workforce. The work is getting filled up. But you have one million unemployed, uh, one employed, one million people, uh, jobs, one million roles to be filled up, and there are no takers. So this simply implies that there's a dichotomy here. One, when you take an illegal, there's no formal recording of either the employment as well as the compensation that is paid. Then you have the other, which is the benefits that are going through, and that is getting recorded, right? Because this, the disbursement. So there's this dichotomy of cash going out, jobs being available, but yet jobs being dispensed, but not tracked in the system. And this is what the Fed is investigation, investigating. But having said that, there was 36,000 people, temporary illegal aliens given work permits by CBP when they entered. So Biden has to reconcile how exactly he is going to manage this mess that he has created. It's it's just mind-boggling why they you know hit uh, their own feet. They, they, they you know they basically uh, are throwing mud on themselves, and uh, you know we have to wait and see how this plays out. And the next news item: Kirsten Cinema was attending a wedding, and uh, protesters disrupted that wedding, and uh, she was merely presiding over. Uh, this is getting a little extreme, in my opinion. Somebody is dissenting. Why are the people trying to get so military, sir? I mean, it's a militant. I, I just uh, find it very disturbing that a senator is facing these kinds of challenges. Uh, when you have advocacy groups which are funded and uh, you know driven to instigate uh, and put pressure in any form, then the outcome that what you see is this type of behavior because there's no mechanism to control such behavior. Uh, apparently in this video, which I have not seen, but once we see it, then we'll share it, uh, is that the um, uh, the, lady, the bridegroom's uh, mother pleading with the people, uh, bride's mother, sorry, not bridegroom, bride's mother, feeling, you know, pleading with, uh, uh, with the protesters to see, please allow our marriage uh, to, to be consummated. Don't kind of upset. We'll have no bar of it. Um, and so this is the third incident uh, one, they confronted her in toilet. Second, they confronted her outside the house. The third, now you are seeing wherever she goes, she is getting confronted. So it's almost like a policy of desperation to put pressure. One must commend her for her courage and conviction as the Arizona senator standing up and standing up against these gunda and boorish type of behavior. So there is a potential second candidate uh, who has a seat warm. Uh, if she decides to switch to Republicans. <laughs> Military members, federal workers, frontline healthcare workers challenge Biden's vaccine mandate. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan dismisses the idea that President Biden needs to reach an economic deal 
prior to departing for the climate conference. The economic plan has climate accord components. Sridharji, Jake Sullivan, I have another news item that I read. Uh, I, I, I'd like your comment on that. He met with his Chinese counterpart in Geneva for six hours recently. What? <coughs> if you recall, am I sorry? If you recall that um, there is this informal engagement and discussions that are going on. And there is a statement that came out of Biden administration, which we again played yesterday, if I'm correct, that Biden does not believe in confrontation as a policy made by Kurt Campbell himself, who is his lead czar in Asia dealing with the issues. So there is, then you have Nicholas Burns making the statement, strategic ambiguity is the best way to deal with China. So what you have is confusing and confounding discussions taking place. Be it as be as it may, it is also possible that Jack Sullivan is saying, what the hell is going on, boys? You know, you are sending all these satellites. You are sending, uh, you know, the uh, intruding into air defense zone. You are doing this with Japan. What the hell is going on? So therefore, the story is, it is conceivable that some of these issues may be at the table as they went through. So these are some of the things that probably played out along with a very important agenda item, which we will cover uh, in the next minute or two. Uh, and those were the important components of uh, Mr. Jake Sullivan's discussions. And in global news, FCC, United States uh, revoke China's telecoms. I'm sorry, I should read this again. FCC US revokes China telecom authority to provide US services citing national security concerns. First, it was Huawei, Huawei's 5G technology. Now, China Telecom is also under the scanner. Sridharji, all these things point to fair amount of snooping by these hardware. Is that why they are concerned? Well, I think that there is an overall fear now that there's more and more data coming out uh, that many, not only data, but there is a surveillance. You know, TikTok, for example, has made public that no data that is uh, that is uh, 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 being uh, uh, collected out of its United States subscriber is being shared with uh, the Chinese authorities. So what's happening is every one of these Chinese companies, which had a free reign up until recently, is now under the radar because it's becoming apparent that there is a lot of data and a lot of issues around particularly telecom, data sharing, surveillance from technologies such as Huawei. So therefore, they're saying you no longer are going to be allowed to offer telecommunication services in United States. It's a big step. And Chinese duties on Australian wines to be taken up by the WTO panel. As Chinese power crisis escalates, it is not Australia, but China looks elsewhere for coal. I guess one of the other partners mm -hmm. or possible suppliers is Indonesia. Because India used to import from Indonesia too. Um, Sridharji, uh, what is the crisis now? I, I, I heard from a subject matter expert a few weeks ago that uh, Chinese companies uh, were working only two out of the possible five days in a workday, you know, on a week workday. But uh, is it worse or has it gotten better? What is the situation now on the ground? Yeah, the situation on the ground is. Uh 
you know, the data is very, very inconsistent. Of course. The, yeah, data is very incon inconsistent. But it's very clear that there is problems in, within China. The problems in China is a manifestation of two or three things. The first and foremost is there clearly is an impact as a result of COVID. And so there is tremendous disruptions that's happening, number one. Number two, that they are reliant on containers and freight movement. Containers and freight movement around the world are affected as a result of port closures, semi-closures and mandates. So therefore, they're not receiving the supply. So they probably have not anticipated and planned. That's number two. The third, you can't, uh, China is beginning to eat its own pie. It, you know, they're beginning to realize that, uh, you know, they can be choked equally as well if you if you are behave like a bad boy. So that the Australians are saying, okay, you want to be a bad boy with us? We're going to stop supply. So what's the alternate? There is no immediate alternate. You have a third problem that is basically the supply chain issue that China is confronting. And fourth, I think it's the mismanagement within China itself. This is not reported. China doesn't run, you know, um, very, very efficient corporations. Nobody is looking to, has, have we seen in the last 20 years or 30 years, have we ever seen a best class model of a Chinese company that anyone in the world, including its own uh, cronies that is part of the world has Chinese economic model has the Chinese uh, industrial model has they been followed by let us say uh, you know yeah, Pakistan or uh, uh, be it Malaysia or be it uh, Vietnam no so therefore there are fundamental issues in the in the Chinese industry so it is not carte blanche everything is masked by rhetoric and everything is masked by you know this huge volume of business that the world has granted to them in good faith. So these are the underlying issues uh, to, your, to your question. And China courts Vietnam and Malaysia for its CPTPP bid. This is an ongoing process. Uh, we'll wait and see how this works. And Biden joins the US ASEAN summit, announces up to $102 million in funding. It is now official that the Biden administration backs Taiwan participation in United Nations. Blinken urges all member states to support Taiwan participation. I think in, during the small period that China was thrown out of UN, Taiwan used to occupy or had a membership of UN. And then when China got readmitted, Taiwan got thrown out. So I think now this is a new situation where they're considering having China as well as Taiwan. Uh, Sridharji, do you think uh, Taiwan will succeed? Because Again, UN might not have the same kind of significance that it used to have in the decades past, but still, there is uh, this is a statement, isn't it? It is. I think if you recall, I said we'll come to this point. You know, Jake Sullivan discussions in Geneva, right? right? So there is going to be uh, while uh, Taiwan has had constant barrage of incursions and threats and so on and so forth from the Chinese that. The uh, the upping of the ante is going on by the United States and member countries as far as the uh, Taiwan's footprint and presence, both in WHO, which they got in, uh, as well as in United Nations. So I think they're basically saying, if you are, you know, going to whip up some things, you know, we are ready uh, for uh, for uh, uh, you know for ready for action. So to to my question, yes, Taiwan will somehow find a way to be present. As a representative, they may not give 
they may give an observer status and and, and give an up, uh, opportunity to comment but it will not be recognized as a separate nation generally the consensus among the world is we do not want to stir up until it gets resolved unilaterally or sorry internationally with some kind of consent but right now but taiwan should have a footprint in united nations as an independent autonomous uh, region of china and uh, are there chinks in the armor pakistan looks to us for its belt and road initiative efforts as the country's economic agenda sink sridhar ji bri is a chinese uh, proposal um, is this a separate one bri of pakistan no they are basically uh, you know to be uh, pakistan is are exceptional in terms of marketing i mean they are second to none the country that has benefited most from united states with superior marketing skills and footprint of diplomacy and the advocacy groups pakistan probably stands tall only second is israel and israel is more internal but what they are saying here is that probably in my view they are running into some rough weather with the chinese contrary to all the bunkum that is coming out of the mainstream media they face the threats of disruptions on that roads they also face the threats from the um, the so called jihadis because they are easy targets in terms of picking up the cherries for their own benefit so what they're saying look we had a beautiful kind of an infrastructure uh, i don't know whether we have covered this but apparently they got permission united states got was granted the permission uh, to fly on top of the pakistani air, airspace should they choose to in the event of launching some kind of terror attack some kind of responses in afghanistan that in itself is a, a, a is a big bs uh, to me because pakistan and taliban cooperate together so they are marketing this capability and infrastructure to get more aid from united states because china is not going to give them any money china will give them debt but will not give them aid first israeli flight lands in saudi arabia a private jet on tuesday evening on the heels of a royal saudi emirati Jet 737 landing in Ben Gurion Airport in Israel. Is this the new normal? Is uh, our Trump policies paying off? Sridharji, this is indeed news. We had predicted that once uh, UAE and some other Middle East countries have signed up or, or normalized relations with Israel by recognizing it, that at the end Saudi Arabia would follow KSA. So it looks like uh, more steps are being taken towards that direction. remarkable it's a remarkable kind of uh, posture a remarkable outcome uh, un- unheard of that the israeli uh, jet flying into and landing in uh, in uh, in riyadh as well as uh, um, the saudi uh, uh, you know jet uh, landing 747 landing in uh, royal jet in fact landing in uh, emirati jet landing in uh, ben gurion which is the israeli airport Uh, is a reflection of the west asian policy of uh, diplomacy peace and economic uh, is paying off uh, nobody wants to speak about it because it's trump the policy is good nobody wants to speak about it north korea the policy is good nobody wants to speak about it because they hate trump this is unfortunately the the narrative and the ignominy of the mainstream media not to project what is working including the uae uh, oman and other types of trade deals that israel has stuck in terms of normalization could the iran drone attack on us in syria and the sudan political crisis spell challenges for israel sidhaji how are the two connected common denominator is the 
the terrorist link. We can go back to the I and connect all the way to Sahel region. Okay, so we, in fact, one day we will do a map uh, and we will show the resurgence post-2008, what has happened. We haven't had the time uh, to, to accommodate that, but we will, we will do that one of the days. So how is it connected? The, uh, it is the terrorist groups which are basically, uh, you know, uh, taken over and supported the, the coup in Sudan. But Sudan, United States, as well as Israel, have tried to strengthen the relationship, bring about diplomacy, and basically enhance and improve their agriculture and all other kinds of facilities. Now, that is down the gurgle. And there are groups which are hostile to Israel within. So that's one aspect of it. The second aspect of it is that, you know, you come, you draw the line, you come with some, come with some closer to this uh, Sahel region and extend into Tripoli region. You find that the, uh, the renegades have launched uh, now attacks on, tested their attacks with uh, the launch of the drones against the U.S. forces in Syria. It's only a matter of time. Remember, from Lebanon, there has been attacks going into, into Israel. Uh, so is this, the, is this the precursor for an alignment of the various jihadi forces with Israel as the focus? That is the connection. And now let's take a look at uh, news coming from India. The Reserve Bank of India forecasts India's growth at 9.5% against the government target of 10.5%. Sridharji, what was the number that IMF said? I think it was also 9.5%, right? IMF is 9.5%. Uh, uh, the Fitch uh, rating, Moody's is 9.5%. The government has forecast at 10.5%. They've not revised the forecast. I think even if I'm right, the CEA, the outgo, the, the CEA who has just left, Mr. K.V. Dr. K.V. Subramaniam, I think he had also predicted somewhere between 9.5 and 10. It's just a reaffirmation that based on all the macro parameters, engineering exports, services exports, the expand the credit expansion, the farming exports, the success of the PLI program, some of these things, the participation rate that we covered, that we talked about uh, moving up to 41% from 12%, all these numbers indicate that uh, really the growth is in the uh, in the market space and uh, giving the commitment of this 9.5%. And India UAE talks duty relief likely for job intensive sectors. Ministry seeks an additional 25,000 crores for rural job development schemes. Indian scientists develop nanomaterials based security ink to combat counterfeiting of currency and branded goods. Sridharji, this is good news. Uh, many of you may have read my book, Who Painted My Money White, where the whole story revolves around the fact that fake currency of India by uh, some adversarial countries is actually better looking than the real uh, currency. Well, I think the, uh, this is developed by one of the uh, government agencies uh, called National Institute for uh, uh, Nanotechnologies and Sciences. Um, and um, and it's it's very laudable that the, te the technology that they have come up with has the ability to detect the counterfeit and also has the ability to uh, you know extend that into some of the digitized branded goods uh, uh, you know categories, uh, which augurs well for the which augurs well for the country. Um, and you know um, these are all things that are happening from within. And many years ago, many of these research organizations that were funded, practical applications were really absent. You couldn't see, but huge amount of money 
were sunk into these industries. But it's good to see targeted money invested, some specific outcome that is usable coming out. And RIL India, Jindal Group and Adani Group among the lowest bidders for India's rupees 4,500 crore solar PLI scheme. India continues to enhance its northeast connectivity with a direct flight from Shillong to Dibrugarh and PM to visit Kedarnath on November 5th to lay foundation stone and inaugurate Kedarpuri reconstruction project. Uh, Sideji, all these are good development things, things that had never been thought of before. So in terms of ACT Northeast, uh, the Modi government has done a tremendous job. And I, I really commend the fact that they have also put in a lot of interest into making UP a very industrialized state, isn't it? I think that those are two most laudable uh, efforts. Northeast is has got two important elements. Um, one element is the security aspect. Uh, the second element is engagement and communicating with people. These are not mere words, but these are real deeds, which translates into tangible benefits to the people of the region. And also from the perspective of economic upliftment of the region, both from a connectivity point of view on the trade side, employability of those people locally, as well as their national connectivity in terms of being part of the country. So I think that when you look at those factors, and then of course they're extending into the broad Northeastern uh, Act East strategy, which has been the fundamental pillar of uh, Modi's foreign policy. Uh, you know, it looks, uh, it augurs very well. You know, talking to some of the people uh, in my current visit uh, to India has well reinforced, there is an element of confidence amongst these people. Now, 20 years ago, many of these people even suffered uh, identity, which probably hurt them very much. I said, are you from India? Are you from which part of the world? Are you from Philippines? Are you from Thailand? Are you from so China? And now I think that people are feeling a lot more confident and a lot more buoyant. We met somebody from Assam yesterday and day before we met somebody from uh, uh, from Nagaland. Uh, there seems to be, you know, a general positive dispensation when you talk to the people. And now let's take a look at markets. Markets climbed on Tuesday on the back of record earnings. Microsoft, Alphabet, all post report positive earnings. Sridharji, do you think the trend is going to continue for the rest of the season? And if so, I think like you predicted, 2021 will be a banner year for stocks. Uh, based on what I'm just recently looking at the data, uh, each of the consumers have set aside roughly somewhere between $1,500 to $2,000 for the holiday season spent. Um, now, they may get less than what they bargained for because of all the logistical issues that are going on, thanks to Mr. Joe Biden's uh, vaccine mandate. Uh, so prices may shoot up. And actually, the businesses have pleaded for mandates to be uh, uh, done after the holiday season. So to answer your question, I think it augurs very well in terms of dispensation of the cash towards the holiday. And usually that sets the parameter for the markets. The markets right now, as we speak, uh, you know, whether it is Dow or whether it is NASDAQ or whether it's S&P, they're above the market predicted targets for the end of the year. So I expect the markets to maintain the steady state, notwithstanding the inflationary trends, to perform as we predicted 2021 to be a very good year across both the crypto as well as the traditional markets. If you are a bond and energy trader, energy trader, you have done very well. 
because we have gone up from 45 to about $85, almost doubling, uh, you know, when the year began. And if you are a, a fixed income trader, then you are taking some hits because we have grown really from about 0 0.70 uh, to about 1.63% on the yield curve. Thank you very much, Sridhar Ji. And we will be back tomorrow and same time, same location. And uh, thank you very much once again and Namaskar. Namaskar. Have a good day. Continue to support DGI. Continue to support P Gurus on their various, on various programs. Now, of course, P Gurus is available on several channels. So a lot of effort has been put by uh, Shri Iyer and his team. So please continue to support, continue to put more likes, and please continue to donate to the channel for self-sustenance. Thank you, sir.